This episode is sponsored by ContentFind, a premium video editing and content repurposing service for busy content creators, influencers, brands, podcasters, YouTubers, and marketers. ContentFi provides unlimited end-to-end editing and repurposing services to help you get your video and audio content edited and repurposed quickly, easily, and reliably. Join other busy content creators, founders, brands, and marketers who now spend even more time creating while they take care of the rest. You no longer need to worry about spending hours editing anymore. Just create content, build your audience, and grow your business. If you're a content creator looking to save time and money, or looking to outsource your content marketing team, get your first free video edited now at contentfi.co. If you'd like to sponsor the SaaS District podcast, or recommend any guests that you think would be valuable to be on the show, visit horizoncapital.com slash SaaS dash podcast today. Thanks again, folks. Hello, hello, everyone. This is your host, Akhil Jabbar, and welcome back to another episode of SaaS District. I'm actually a petroleum engineer turned entrepreneur. So I was actually working in corporate office and went through that you know, entire journey of trying to quit my job for, for a while. But I quit my job you know, over six years ago to really you know, focus on my own ventures. Um, to give you a sum- summary of kind of how I got here and in, in the investment world, I actually started investing in the, the stock market. That was kind of my first way of figuring out a way how to make money on the money I've saved. So I did that, you know, I think when I was about 18 years old. And after about, you know, two to three years of trading, um, you know, investing in different publicly traded companies, I realized a couple of things. One is, you know, you don't really have control of these businesses, right? You know, something could happen overnight, you know, news release, something, you know, bad press, um, you know, it, it could kind of change the value of the company overnight. And you know, it's not all, always about the fundamentals or, you know, it, it, there's so many factors that can go into play. And at that point, I realized you know, when, the, when the company is public, it was already super competitive. You're competing with guys on Wall Street with, with you know, AIs and engines out there that you know, understand uh, how to assess and pick stocks better than probably you can. So around that time, I, I came across a, some books by you know, Robert Kiyosaki. You might have heard some of their books like uh, you know, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, Cash Flow Quadrant. And that's when I really learned about the idea of you know, building cash flow income to replace my active income. And also, you know, how to you know buy these assets that would produce you know uh, cash flow for you and leveraging debt to help you grow. So I saved a bit of money at that time and I bought some real estate and that was in Canada, which I still own today. There was a couple you know I still have a couple of uh, rental properties and 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 that's good. But I realized you know making a few hundred dollars it was a bit slow for me, right? I'm impatient. I'm in my early twenties at that time. I I want to accelerate. I want to make a lot of cash flow. I want to make a lot of income. Um, so at that time I said okay I learned about in the real estate. Um, so I still 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 great, and I but I look at you know real estate more of like maybe a twenty year investment or you know kind of the investment horizon. So I know in twenty years when I, you know I'm in my forties, it's going to be a great you know uh, you know uh, source of asset that I can liquidate and you know you know help me retire. Um, so I thought of that time investing in an in existing business. You know I learned about businesses, uh, and we actually built and opened a, a franchise gym with, with the gym model is kind of similar to online where you have that recurring revenue. Uh, you have those one year two year contracts, so it's pretty nice. Um, and I do like the physical businesses. They're great, but they are super expensive. A, if you want to scale, right? If you, every time you want to build another location, uh, you're looking at, you know, half a million, a million dollars to, you know, invest. So, uh, and I also want it to be location independent with, you know, you have physical business, you're super dependent on where you decide to build. Just like real estate, you can't, you know, 
uh, you know, build businesses online, live wherever, manage wherever you want to be. So with physical business, I still look at it, good investment, but I would say you know, like a five to 10 year investment horizon. Um, and then that point, so this was when I you know, joined working as an engineer, I learned about online businesses where I think that's where I bought my first affiliate content site. I bought it from a, a marketplace called Empire Flippers. If you guys haven't heard about that. Um, I think I was the time I was making something like $2,000 a month. And, and that's where I really learned about you know smaller sites, uh, how about monetizing websites, playing with it, learning about SEO, how to run different conversion rate optimization tests. And that was it. I was hooked. Um, so that's when, that's when I quit my job. Um, quit my job, moved. You know, I was living here in, in Mexico where I am now. And, and I joined another firm at the time doing really what I wanted to do at the time. So I found about, I learned about this thing, you know, buying online assets, online income, and, you know, I wanted to share with everybody. I wanted to build a, a firm at the time, but I didn't know how to do it at, at, a, at a bigger scale. So I joined another company at the time called Wired Investors. That was back in 2016. Um, you know, how they were buying, doing the same thing that I went to do, but with larger companies, they were buying million dollar plus, you know, content sites. Then they moved into, you know, affiliate sites, SaaS companies, uh, productized services. So they're building their portfolio. And that's where I really learned. I got involved as the CEO of uh, $99 Social at the time. I helped double that company, you know, within I think five months of, of the acquisition. Helped raise company, learned how the investments work, how to assess risk, what to look for. And that really gave me the confidence of knowing what, you know, being involved in so many different acquisitions. I think we did about 12 in the first year. What I liked, what I didn't like, learned their playbook. And I realized the part that I really, really like was the, the SaaS side. That's the businesses that, uh, you know, I was operating, working with the CEOs, helping them grow. And so over two years ago, that's when I kind of stepped away and I decided to found uh, Horizon Capital. So I'm the founder of Horizon Capital. The difference, I would say, you know, we have a slightly different approach of how we approach building a portfolio. So, you know, typical PE firms, you know, they're looking about, you know, bringing, you know, focusing for the, for the investors, getting them returns. And yes, we do want to generate crazy returns for our investors and LPs, um, where we, we actually have an exclusive investment club. So if people want to apply, you can actually apply. But our actual core mission is actually on the entrepreneurs. That where, that's where we focus. So I, I built that vision in mind at the beginning that there is another way to become an entrepreneur um, rather than from starting from scratch. So that's kind of what I've done several times is start from scratch. But the other side is you know, entrepreneurship through acquisition. And that's where, you know, I got to learn how to do deals, uh, you know, de-risking, you know, that, that kind of couple years of 90% uh, chance of failing. Uh, you have a company that's established, that's already found product market fit. And where we partner with these, you know, and empower these entrepreneurs through a different path, being, you know, CEO of an online business uh, with our accelerated program. And that's where we do the acquisitions. Fantastic. Cool. Thank you so much, uh, Akil. So started out as a petroleum engineer, uh, now CEO of Horizon Capital. Loved as well. Uh, Kiyosaki was the, the guy who got you into uh, investment. I'm sure that will resonate with a lot of people. I remember that being one of the first books I read when I was getting into business and taking you know, more care um, around my uh, finances and looking into investment as well. So yeah, some fantastic reads there. Okay, so <clears throat> talk to me about Akil then. I'm, I'm sure what a lot of our audience could be really interested in <clears throat> um, is what Akil looks for, essentially. When someone's coming to him looking to raise investment or, or they're looking to get acquired, um, what is it that you're looking out for, Akil? So, uh, you know, before you kind of consider that, I want I just kind of think, first thing to understand is, you know, why do you want to raise money or why do you want to sell? Um, you know, typically we see kind of... Two, the, the, the typical profile of an entrepreneur that comes to us is 
you know, they need the money. So they've shown some kind of product market fit. They've, you know, uh, crossed, let's say, half a million ARR. And now they really want to add fuel to the fire. They've done a really, really good job at building a solid product. Um, that's typically the founder we like, but they've done a really good job on product. They've grown kind of organically and they haven't done much marketing. And that's where we find, uh, you know, we come in as a growth partner. Uh, we, we, you know, bring in our playbook, our, our team that comes in and really, you know, puts capital and then also the expertise to really accelerate growth. And the other side is if, you know, if I'm looking to sell. So the, the, the type of time that, you know, we, we see founders coming to us, they built this great product, uh, you know, five, six, seven years in, and they just really hit a plateau on where they can grow the company and they just don't want to, they don't want to manage it or deal with it anymore. Either they, they're burnt out, they want to move on to another project, they're, they're already focusing on something else, or they just want to, you know, it's their first time building a company and they just want to, uh, you know, exit and move on to another kind of business. So, uh, what we're looking for, you know, companies over you know half a million in ARR, uh, sticky clients, you know, sticking around, good product, um, you know, based it. We look at North America, Europe, does, doesn't matter, and just wants somebody to take care of their business, really grow. And we actually give people the option if they want to keep some roll over some of their shares and still get part of the upside as well um, as we continue to grow it. So that's kind of how we work with with founders. Fantastic, cool. So that's uh, looking at it from from your side. What you're looking for from your founders. From, I guess, a, this is probably more from a, an investor's perspective. So we've had plenty of uh, investors on the podcast and plenty of investors listen to the podcast. So to, to help us, um, what kind of indicators do you use to evaluate, you know, before you're going to make a big investment decision, right? So you talked about the kind of companies that you're going to get coming to you before you actually take that plunge and make an investment decision. What are the indicators to you that it's a good one? You know, what mm. green boxes are you looking to be ticked, essentially? Yeah. No. So uh, obviously, we, we're focused right now as B two B SaaS companies. But if I'm looking for an acquisition, one side is super, you know, important is, is overall kind of growth opportunity. What's the what's the opportunity here? Is it a growing market or is it is it dying or declining market of where you guys are positioned? Is it super competitive? Um, competition is fine, but you know, are you guys kind of a leader in the place and, and we can continue to to grow that? And then, is there quick wins where we can come in, apply our playbook? Um, and then the other side is really about risk assessment. So one is growth. I mean, we look at that like that, that's kind of for us. If, if we can grow it and we feel there's lots of opportunity, that's, that's for us. The market we can't control. That's just you know, where the market likes the business. You know, if we like it, it's growing. That's good for us. And then the last part is we look at risk assessment. So we have like a you know, 100-point checklist that we go through. And based off that, we create kind of a scorecard of you know, how, how much do we really like this business. So, so from 0 to 100... It's an A plus deal, you know, 90, 100%. Uh, you know, we're paying obviously higher valuations for that kind of company. But the real thing is, you know, really growth in, you know, in your revenue. How's your growth in your users? Uh, you know, and then we want to see sticky clients who really love the product. Um, and then based off that, you know, it, that'll really translate into your, your LTV or your lifetime value. Uh, you'll have lower churn. So we like churn, you know, less than 5% a month, ideally, you know, something like 2% a month. LTV, we like over, you know, 1500 or, or 2000, uh, you know, mid-market kind of or SMB kind of focused. Um, another thing we look at is the growth and the management does not depend on the owner. So we see that a lot where, you know, the founder has that relationship with a lot of those clients and businesses and partnerships. And it's tied to that one person. And that if overnight, you know, that, that founder leaves, those, rela- those relationships are now in risk. Of losing them, and you know, they, sometimes they leave when the founder leaves as well. Um, another thing we look at is, let's say, does thirty percent of your revenue come from one client? So we've seen that before, where let's say you know you're working with enterprise clients, where you have one big enterprise client that's like fifty percent of your revenue. 
Now, what happens if you lose that client? You know, half your revenue is gone. And um, we've we've done a lot of things like that where you know there's there's a you know clients who represent a large sum of the the revenue, but we'll usually put in some kind of clause of like a an earnout to make sure that the company you know uh, continues to perform, that client sticks around for longer, and that helps us kind of de-risk the the acquisition and how we value the company. But the problem becomes, and we've seen this before, where you put that earn out, that's fine. You're not, let's say you don't pay for it. You say, okay, in one year, if this client sticks around, we'll pay you that, that value of what the company's worth, uh, based with, including that customer. But what happens is, what if you lose that customer? And that's the hard part. Is, so if you lose 50% of your revenue, let's say, or 30% of your revenue overnight, yes, even though you didn't pay for it, now you're stuck with a company that's making 30% than what you initially thought. So rather than making you know, 500K in ARR, now it's making uh, you know, 300 or, or 250 if it you know, dropped in half. And that puts a lot of constraint of what you're able to do with the business. You, know, you have a team to, you know, that you have to manage, you have to kind of work with and, and maybe you have to let go of team members. You have less money to work with, to grow, um, to run different experiments. So that really puts a lot of uh, pressure on your overall investment thesis. And uh, maybe kind of affects how you can grow moving forward. Okay, cool. So I guess, Kill, then the, the key overarching message is what you're really looking for is overall growth opportunity. Amongst other things, that's kind of at the very, very heart of what you're looking for and assessing, right, when someone's coming to you. Yeah, growth opportunity. And then, you know, what are the risks right now and how can we de risk this in the overall kind of, uh, investment? Yeah. yeah, sure. Okay, cool. So, that's obviously one thing that someone coming to you is going to have to get that across, right? They're going to have to get across this growth opportunity. And I'm sure that's one of many things they get across. So what I want to dig into here, um, it's going to be really interesting to a lot of our uh, listeners, is around the investment pitch, right? This famed, scary investment pitch that uh, so many people are going to be putting together. Uh, I guess the question is, how do you get that investment pitch right? Um, so before we kind of get into the investment pitch, right? You know, I want to make sure one thing clear... If you're looking to raise money, um, let's just you know, this from that side of raising capital. Make sure you're only raising what you actually need. You know, don't go out and say I'll raise somewhere between three million and ten million, depending on the one the market says, because you know that, that doesn't really kind of respect you know who who you're looking to to raise. Um, so what I suggest is you come up with real numbers, like uh, do some kind of assessment of what your costs will be forecast, what you'll be investing in, what is the team you actually need, how much is it actually going to cost. Put real numbers in there. And then figure out what you'll actually need for the next 18 months. And then maybe, you know, add, add maybe like that 10 or 20% buffer. So now you have, let's say, you know, I need 1. You know, 1.5 to 2 million. Fine. That, that's, that's, that's what we're looking for. And, and we'll work with that. Um, from there, the most important part, I think, is get your pitch deck right. You know, just like for applying for a job, right? In your world, that's your resume or your CV for investors. That's, the, that's what's going to get your kind of attention. Um, and we actually have an article on your site if you guys want to check out how you want to structure that. You can check it out, rising capital slash pitch deck. Um, but decide why do you want to raise from VCs? There are, op- there, are, there are other options out there, right? Like there's revenue-based financing. You can use that. You, or you can just decide to stay bootstrapped. Um, but if you insist, like you, if you have a unicorn, you think you have that, that hockey stick growth where you can really you know, f- add fuel to the fire. There's a huge opportunity here. Uh, I, I kind of break this into three categories. So maybe it's relevant to different people in your audience. Okay? Um, so first category, I'd say is like the very early stage. You just have the idea. Um, let's say you're, in a, you're, you're working in a service business right now. I don't know, you're an accountant, you're a marketer, you're a salesperson, and you have this vision of... You, you have this problem that needs to be solved. You're seeing it over and over again in your, in, your, in your day-to-day. And there's a way to automate it and build a tool around it and a product that people would actually want to pay for. So at that point, what you're really selling to an investor 
is the story about you as the founder and the team. So those are the two things you're selling is the founder, the team, and why they should invest in you and why you're the right person that can tackle and actually solve that problem. Um, another problem that I see at, at this stage is like you need to have a technical... If you don't have technical experience, like you're not a software engineer or you're not a CTO, uh, find a, a CTO that you can either hire or partner with. Um, you know, don't don't say I'll hire a team in India to build it for me. It just doesn't work. I've seen it many, many times. You know, like you get the wrong code, you get poor, poor quality code, the wrong technology used, and that'll actually cost you more in the long run. So, unless you have that CTO, don't go into SaaS. I would say at, at first, you know, spend a lot of time getting the right person, then go out and sell that as a team. You know, you're you're marketing your sales with a CEO. You have a CTO with you, you and have that CTO who can manage and oversee those uh, those developers and knows what they're doing. Um, so that's the first part, you know, focusing on on the team and, and you as the story of what you want to build. Second category is I say, you know, you've built your product. Um, so now you've, you've raised a little bit of money, you built your product, you go now to those initial clients that you're already working with, you've shown that there's demand and interest. And now you need to develop more features that your customer said, like, hey, like, this is what we need. Um, and you've shown that little traction of, of and here's proof of how we've done it. So now you're saying, okay, we've had proof, we built a product, and now we just need some money to kind of expand to help us continue to accelerate the, the product. Um, so really focus on those initial customers here, what they've paid you, uh, why they love your product, and what they're asking for, and put that in your pitch deck. So those are what you're going to be focusing on at this stage. And the last category, so you've built your product, you have strong marketing channels, you know your CAC, your cost per acquisition, you know your LTV, your lifetime value, you have the right systems to scale. You have that engine. At this point, it's really just about data. And this, I think it's similar to us, I would say, when we're doing an acquisition, we look at data. Um, and it's less about, yes, it's about the team, but I mean, that's already kind of been proven at this point. Uh, it's really about the data, looking at the, the analysis of how, how you've grown the business, um, looking at you know, churn, the, all, all those kind of cohort analysis. What's going to get the interest of the investors? And because what you're saying is, I have this engine. Um, I've built this engine. It's doing really great. It's only firing, let's say, at half capacity. All I really need here is fuel to t- maybe maybe turn on all the cylinders and add fuel to the fire growth. So in this case, if you're you're creating that deck and you're in this category, just focus on the data. Um, just, I just want to make one one interesting note here, and it might sound a little bit maybe counterintuitive for 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 VC specifically. The worst is actually being in between the second and third category here. Um, so you built a product and you don't have enough traction or growth and you wait too long to raise. And you're actually, you're, at this point, your chances are actually worse than someone in the first category just starting off because showing you know, you have, your growth isn't fast enough, isn't interesting versus if you have nothing. Which is which is kind of it may sound counterintuitive. Interesting. So just, just keep that yeah, 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 yeah. <clears throat> okay, cool. So the message is <laughs> go almost time sometimes go sooner, go harder, go sooner for it rather than waiting out till till it's almost too late essentially to get that back in. Okay, cool. Really interesting. I love yeah. that segmentation, Akil, of I guess the three different strands or three different uh, kind of subsections of, of of the life cycle of a company. I think that's really interesting. Um, something that you you said there was just around asking what you need for. And you kind of stressed the importance of that. And I was just interested to hear how frequent is it do you think that people ask for actually more than they need? And how detrimental have you seen that be? Uh, more, more than you, 
probably more than than not. <laughs> <laughs> um, I say it's detrimental because now you have a, you have a responsibility that you have to manage, and now you're just I think you're less when you don't have those constraints of what you need to focus on. Then you become kind of a, you know you can, you can think about it yourself too, right? When you have too much money in your bank account, you start becoming a little bit more reckless in your decisions. You start becoming less uh, disciplined of how you decide to manage your money. Um, unless you know exactly where it's okay, we can run these new experiments. But even then, you probably should have you know built that in, in your initial plan. Um, and I think you just become you know a little bit waste wasteful. Um, and I think it's a little bit you know lack of respect for your investors when you raise too much. And you, we've probably seen that you know countless times where people have too much money and they start just blowing it on stupid things, you know, like uh, you know fancy offices and parties and and you know yeah. all these, you know. So it's like does, does that really drive the needle? Um, you know, forward and, and, you know, give the investors returns? Probably not. Um, so, you know, it's, it's really up to you how you want to be seen and, and perceived from, from your investors as a founder. Yeah, it's really interesting. I think I love the analogy of the bank account. I think we can all relate to that. <laughs> if you're not disciplined and the discipline can go with the more you have sometimes. So, okay, cool. Well, look, um, okay, we're talking here, um, talked a lot there around the, the investment pitch. Um, there's different subs- now let's look at, say, on the things. We've got a founder um, of a company, CEO, who's actually looking to, to sell their SaaS company. Okay. Um, what type of valuations um, could, could someone expect? Obviously, it's going to vary massively depending. Maybe, maybe you can segment it down like you just did helpfully there of the different stages. Could, could you shed any light on that for our listeners? Sure. So there's... Uh, yeah, I'll segment it too. So one is you're trying to raise money from a VC for growth. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're going to see. We typically see in the news, right? You see this on TechCrunch. You see this on all these you know, news articles of, hey, they just raised $100 million on $3 billion valuation. And the problem is we get those, those, those conversations with us with people who want to sell their company. If you're looking to sell your company, it's, it's a totally different story. But I, I would say like the, the number one metric that matters is going to be your growth rate. So are you growing 10% year over year, 30% year over year, or 300% year over year? And that's going to be two different things. What we look at typically is, you know, gen- we're not we're not competing with VCs. If you're doing you're doing 100%, 200% year over year growth, you know, go raise go raise funds. Um, that's probably the better way through the VC route. We're looking at you know 20%, 30%, you know, maximum 50% year over year growth. That's what we like. Um, when you're selling your company, the value of the company of what you're selling now is actually based on the present value of its kind of future cash flow. So if you're, we're looking at you know ARR. How what's your ARR right now? Then we're looking at you know your EBITDA or your seller discretionary earnings. We don't look at companies that are burning capital. You know you're burning you know, 10, 20, 30k a month. That's that's not interesting to us. VCs will probably be more interesting there. Um, in terms of valuation, also I'll break that down into a, two types of buyers as well. There's financial buyers, which is like somebody like us, and then you have strategic buyers. So somebody like us who's going to look at a SaaS company in this range, let's say at this uh, growth rate, which I talked about. We're typically paying somewhere between two to three x ARR, so that's what you can kind of expect. Um, maybe even you know three and a half, maybe four, depending on, on your growth. Uh, if you go to a strategic buyer, so these are your Google's, your Facebook, uh, your Amazon, or even your competition. Maybe there's a leader in the place who might be interested. And you know we also do M and A for some companies, SaaS companies who want to buy, you know, be per- acquired by by uh, strategics. At this point, you can get generally a lot higher uh, uh, valuation. It could be anywhere between. We've seen you know five x up to to maybe eight or nine x ARR. So obviously you'll expect a little bit more, but there's a lot more integration. They're, you know they're buying your customers. They're, maybe your product is, uh, you know they, they can see a lot more quick wins just by integrating you or the team or your product uh, a lot quicker. Um, 
And then on the VC side, the assumption here, the reason why you can ask for more money is like, let's say a company needs $3 million to accelerate growth. Then in, you know, in one year, that cash flow will be a lot higher than if the company didn't raise funds. Right? So you have to look at it like that. It's like, if I don't raise this $3 million, my company just won't be... It's just going to be worth more because I have all this money to invest and grow it. And that's why it's based on future uh, you know, with that, with that money invested. So it's, it's a little bit tricky on how to think about it, but don't, you know, don't think of the same thing of raising funds with selling your company when, when looking at valuations. And when it comes to valuations on the VC side, we're seeing anywhere between, I would say like eight to 12 X ARR is not kind of, uh, you know, not untypical for how you structure your, your, uh, round. Interesting. Cool. Well, we're coming towards the end of our time, uh, Akil, uh, today. Um, I think a good good question to perhaps um, leave this on and, and, and for you to maybe share something on would be um, for all those young entrepreneurs out there who perhaps have started up uh, a business at the very early stage and they're just about to think about going out there and getting some kind of capital behind them, right? They're going to take their business to the next level. What would be your biggest piece of advice to them? Okay, so if you're bootstrapping, use your customers as your as your uh, as your capital. I mean, take take customers as your way of growing. I mean, I, th- I I typically love that. I mean, I'm a, I'm more of a fan of the bootstrap approach, the versus the VC approach. So you can go out and raise it if you think you have a massive market opportunity and you need the money to to kind of get out there and everybody needs to know about it. Um, and you want to be that person who's managing, you know, to, to a unicorn, being a CEO of a hundred plus company, very very quickly, move that route. There's nothing wrong with being bootstrap. I love it. Use your customers as your as your source of, of capital. I love that. I uh, had a guest uh, had a guest on the other week, and we we're talking about that exact model. Actually, rather than sometimes, I think, as you said, there is a path and a route for the VCs. But I think sometimes young entrepreneurs can think that somehow is the mark of success is to go out there and get the funding. Whereas actually, what you're saying there is there's plenty of other ways in which to raise capital, which are equally as valuable and perhaps less costly as well <laughs> in the exactly. road. So, fantastic. Cool. Well, Akil, look, thank you so much uh, for your time today. Really appreciate everything you've shared with us. Good luck with all you're doing over at uh, Horizon uh, Capital. And uh, thank you for sharing. No, thank you for having me on, Connor. Much appreciated. Cheers, Akil. Cheers. Thank you all for listening in to this episode and joining SAS District today. Don't forget to leave a review and subscribe for future episodes where we interview top leaders in the SaaS industry. If you're a SaaS company looking to grow and unlock the true value of your business, get in touch with us at horizoncapital.com. And myself or one of our consultants will provide a free assessment to help you get there and hit your goals. If you have any feedback or suggestions for this podcast, please DM us on Instagram or LinkedIn at Horizon Capital and help us improve our content for you all. Thanks again and hope to see you on the next one.